Welcome to Talking to Myself. I am Myra Kay, and I'm here with Hanky Quattro and Chocolate Chip. I am a 20-year communication professor who doesn't profess to know it all about communication, hence the name Talking to Myself, because trust me, I will walk right out of these doors and do everything wrong. So I'm not only talking to you about communication, but I'm talking to myself. So today we are talking about climate and we ain't talking about the temperature. What we're talking about is really your level of comfort when talking to people. Sometimes we have conversations with people and they may say things in certain ways and the way they say things either makes us want to continue conversations with them or not. And before I go any further, I just want to commend Chippy on putting some lotion on today. His legs don't look anywhere near as ashy okay. as they normally do. He's looking a little bit moist and that's that's a good thing because normally brother be looking ashy as hell. But today he's looking pretty good. I think he took a shower maybe yesterday or something like that. Was it yesterday you took a shower? No, I took one today. It was today? Okay, took a shower today and he has lotion. So he's looking better. So thank you, Chippy. For Quarantine clean. He's got that quarantine clean. Thank you. Thank you for doing that for us. And he doesn't have no, he does not have on pajamas. He has actual clothes on. So he's he's doing a lot, a lot, a lot better. So what we're talking about really are gonna be defensive climates and supportive climates. When people speak to you in a defensive way, like a defensive climate, it makes you not want to communicate with them. It makes you want to maybe strike back to them, strike back at them, or not communicate with them at all. And so today we're going to talk about what some of those defensive climates are. I'm going to give you some very specific examples. And then we'll talk about maybe what some of those supportive climates are and how we react when we are communicated to in those, in those fashions. So the first type is called evaluative. And that's when someone talks to you in a very negative fashion right to your face. So they'll say something like, you are so fucking stupid. You, you get on my damn nerves. And they'll say it right straight to your face. So Chip, do you have an example of when someone like right to your face says something to you like that? And, and what happened? How did the way they communicated with you in that very evaluative fashion affect the way you communicated with that person? So I've been in band for about three years now and we were at a competition, the confetti parade. And when we were doing the dance routine, um, some white man has said that I was out of tune and that I had to go back home, so. Okay, so what happened? I mean, what? so when he said you were out of tune and you had to go back home, what was your reaction to that? I couldn't say anything, but I wasn't hurt by it. It didn't affect me, so. Okay, so you didn't say anything to that person. I couldn't say anything. You couldn't say anything. No. Okay, but if you could say anything, what would, do you think you would have said anything? Yeah, I would have definitely said something. Okay, you think you would have cussed them out? Would you have said something mean to them, nice to them? What do you think you might have said? I would, it, what I would have said, it wouldn't have been, it wouldn't have been nice at all, but okay. yeah. Okay, okay, because what happens is when people do those kinds of things to us, we don't want to say anything nice to them. Yeah. We either want to strike back, you know, we want to get them back in some kind of way, so we're going to be negative to them, or we're not going to ever talk to them again. You know, we're, yeah. never going to, we're never going to speak to them ever, ever, ever again. So it's definitely, it's definitely going to affect your communication, especially when we have those long-term relationships with people. Right. So that's the, that's the first type, evaluation. We right. can't stand when people evaluate us or when they have these evaluative kinds of statements right. that are very defensive. 
So the other type we're going to talk about today is deceptive statements. When we think about deceptive statements, these are the kind when people lie to us. You know, and whenever I think about deception, I think about like just a plain piece of paper, a plain brand new piece of paper that you have and you just crumble it up. And then when you crumble it up and then you try to straighten it out, it's all wrinkled up. You can never get that paper back to that beautiful pristine piece that it was when you took it out the pack. It's always still going to be wrinkled up, even though you try to straighten it out and it's never going to be like it was before. And that's because once a person deceives you, you know, you still don't trust them like you did. The trust is never the same. And that's just how it is with deception. And when I was trying to think of an example for this one, I thought of a little one, one that was a little bit different than what maybe Chippy thought of. And mine is with a person I don't even know, and it's Donald Trump. You know, back in the day, I used to kind of like Donald Trump. I used to like The Apprentice. That was my shit. That was my show. I never missed it. I watched it every time it came on. I watched The Regular Apprentice. I was all about that Celebrity Apprentice. I was all about that Celebrity All-Star Apprentice. I mean, that was my shit. I loved that show. And then when he was running for president, I was kind of like, this is a joke. He's not really going to be president. And I, and I wasn't mad about it, but I didn't think it was real. You know, I thought it was just, you know, a stunt. And then when he was running, I was like, okay, come on now. It's time to stop. And then when he, when he won, I was like, you have got to be kidding me. Come on. And, you know, I, even though it was all bad, it seemed bad, even after he was in office, in my mind, I kept thinking, well, what I hope happens is that in four years, he will do so good that I will want to vote for him. That was my, that was my ultimate hope and, and goal. I was hoping that he would do really well. But that's not what happened. He kept lying. He lied, he lied and he lies constantly. And as I watch every show, he, and I watch him lie and lie and lie, and even currently now during this quarantine, he lying, he lying, he lying, he lying. It continues to break down the trust I already didn't have for him. And what it does for me is to the point now where I can't even stand to watch him. I can't stand it. I absolutely can't stand to watch him. I think he's disrespectful. I can't trust him. And whereas before I would at least watch him, I'm to the point now where I can't even stand to watch him. I turn the channel. So in terms of communication, he's communicating to the masses. He's communicating to me. I am receiving his communication. I find it to be very deceptive. And when I'm receiving it, I'm like, mm -mm, I don't want to receive it. I don't want to listen to it. And so I no longer listen. I turn the station. I will turn back when someone else is speaking, but I absolutely positively have no, 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 no tolerance for Donald Trump, whereas before I did. So deception is definitely an a defensive communication strategy, and it does make people not want to communicate with you. And when you break off communication, of course, the relationship continues to deteriorate. And even though I don't know Donald Trump, you know, I don't know him, but he certainly will not get my vote because we do not have a relationship. So we can continue to think about this and another defensive type of strategy that we don't want to use is called certainty. And this is when a person acts like they know everything. They don't leave any margin for error and they think they know it all. And when a person thinks they know it all, I mean, who wants to communicate with that person? 
So, Hanky, do you have any examples for like this idea of certainty when a person thinks they know everything? Now, I, I want to start by saying a lot of times I think I, that I'm the know-it-all. Like most of the time, I think that I'm the guy that, that thinks that I know it all. Okay. <laughs> Just being honest. Okay. Yesterday, <laughs> I was I ran into a guy. I went into you know we're on quarantine or whatever, but I went to uh, the gas station to pick up a few things. Um, so I went in there and I go to this gas station all the time. It's right around the corner from my from my condo, and uh, I went in here today. See the guy, the owner. I see him all the time. He's probably like a Middle Eastern guy, probably in his about sixties or so, and he's there every day, every time I go, whatever. So this time, uh, this time he sees me. He's like, "Hey, brother!" He always calls me brother. Hey, brother, how's it going, man? Oh, and uh, I, I want to back up a little bit and say, right before I came in here, I just threw on a Martin Luther King shirt. Like it was like. Probably sitting around in the corner. I was like, okay, let me just throw the song so I can run to the store real quick. Yeah, so when I threw, I brought, you think it was the one I bought you, right? Yeah, it's like I have a dream on or whatever. <laughs> you know, something that you bought me. So, you know, I, I, I threw that shirt on and went and literally went around the corner and uh, ran to this guy. He's like, oh, Martin Luther King is a great man, great man. I think a black man killed him, right? Black man killed him, right? And I was like, uh, no, I don't think so. He's like, yeah, a black man killed him. A black man killed Martin Luther mm -hmm. King. And I was like, no, man. And so, you know what most people my age or a little older do? You pull out your phone and go to Google. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's right mm -hmm. there on your fingertips. We don't have, we don't have to assume and, and guess and make these assumptions. So, mm -hmm. of course, I pulled this out and showed him the mugshot of the guy that shot him out the king. He's, mm -hmm. I think he's a white man. He's mm -hmm. not, nowhere near black. So, you know, you should have saw the, his facial reaction once I, once I corrected him. So. Mm -hmm. Right. So when, so when, when people are being a know-it-all, right, they, they want to remain a know-it-all. They don't mm -hmm. want to be corrected, right? They want to keep on being a know-it-all. And, and that's the problem with it. We don't, we need to kind of think about that. Even when we ourselves are being know-it-alls, we need to always have this sort of, I guess, area of provisionalism where we leave a little room for error. You know, we don't ever want to always be like, oh, I know it's this or I know it's that because none of us always are always 100% sure. Right. And so we always want to use language that leaves a little bit of a margin of error. And we always want to use that supportive climate of provisionalism because it always just leaves that little bit of room that we need just in case we're not right. right. And he probably would have felt a little bit more comfortable if he wasn't so dogmatic and he was just a little bit more provisional, you know? Right. Right. A little bit more room for it. And I know I said that I, I do I do like kind of see myself as a know-it-all because when I feel like I know something, I mean, I feel like I know it and I, and I like for instance, I, I think I know sports. Like if it comes to sports, if I know it I, I, and I stand on it, I think I know it. If it comes to the music I listen to, if I know what I'm talking about, I stand on mm -hmm. it. But it, it, you have to know a time where, you know, you might not know everything. You have to defer to the right. people that do. Right. And even if you do know it, you know, why you gotta be an asshole and know it all about it? Right. You know, why can't you just still express language in a way that is provisional, right. you know? You can know it in your head and you're like, you know, I know it. But rather than come across as a know-it-all slash asshole, you can l use language that is provisional, that still, you know, is kind and supportive and still leaves room for error and it's, you know, still allowing for the people who you're talking to to feel like you're the kind of person who doesn't know it all, right. you know? And so when we're thinking about being supportive, that's what it's about, you know? You can know it, but you don't have to be that kind of person who's like taking over the conversation and being so dogmatic about it, you know, just kind of think about that. 
you know, and, and there, you know, when we think about, again, these offensive climates, there are so many more, but we're only going to cover a couple of them today. And the last one I want to talk about is what we call neutrality. And this is one of my favorite ones to talk about only because I think it is a relationship killer. Specifically, when we think about romantic relationships, when I think about neutrality, this one will kill it, kill it, kill it in a matter of time. Because neutrality, even when you hear the word neutrality, it sounds like it wouldn't hurt so bad. It's like neutral. It's like it's in the middle. Like that shit don't hurt that bad because it's not like on either side. But that's just it. It's on either side. And when you love a person, you want them to have your back. And when something is neutral, it doesn't have your back. It's in the middle. And that's not supportive, it's defensive. And so, Hanky, you said you had one that, that kind of talks about this idea of neutrality? Yeah, like, I, I know uh, a recent graduate, not recent, I guess, anymore, but in May 2019, I graduated from University of Cincinnati. And uh, one of my good friends, I mean, good friends when I say, I mean, like, one of my first friends, like, best friends, like, I won't say any names, but best friends, like, you know, joke around all the time, Hey, look at this funny meme. Look at this video. Like my guy, I talk to him every day. Like send me a text or whatever. <clears throat> Biggest accomplishment of my in my young life didn't get anything from that person within that two week span. You know, no. Hey, congratulations. Wow. You're doing good. Wow. Like you know, no love like that. And I mean, it is what it's. A lot of people show me love, and it's all good. And I appreciate all people that do. But right. not to down on a person that doesn't. But I mean, you know, you talk to me every other day, send me memes, but you know, you can't say congratulations. You know, so right, right, that's right. how that's how I kind of feel about that. But you know, it's still my boy. Like I still talk to him every day. That's my dog. Like you know, it is what it is. But you know, it's just you put that, you, you think about that, and you right, just gotta. Right. You know. And that's why it's a relationship killer because even though he's still your boy, you still talk to him. You don't talk to him about that. Right. You right. know, and then as the relationship continues to grow and change, you know, you still not gonna talk to him about that. And you might not talk to him about other things that relate to that, you know, and it continues to grow and grow and grow. And it that never leaves you. You're still going to always have that in the back of your mind, you know. Right. And even as we think about romantic relationships, let's say you're dating someone and you bring up something and they are acting really neutral about it and they don't want to talk about it. Well, what happens is you find somebody who does want to talk about it. Mm -hmm. And you don't talk to them about it. You don't talk to your partner about it. You find somebody who does want to talk about it and someone who is interested in what you're interested in. And then more and more and more, your partner doesn't get included and this new person gets included. So neutrality is definitely one that you have to watch. It's one of those relationship killers that sneaks up on you. So we want to watch it. We don't want to be neutral. We want to be empathic. And what that means is, even though you don't like what I'm talking about, you like me. So muster up some enthusiasm and listen to what the hell I got to say. You don't have to like it, but you, you care about me. So care about what I care about. At least show me some level of enthusiasm because I'm enthusiastic about it. I'm happy about it. So be happy for me. So because you love me, love what I'm talking about, you right. know? So we have to think about those things when we're in these long, these long standing relationships. We have to think about what's important to our partners. So again, just real quick recap. Today we talked about climates and we weren't talking about the temperature, right? We're talking about how we feel when other people talk to us. And some people talk to us in very defensive ways and we don't like it. We feel like we want to get them back when they talk to us defensively or we don't talk to them at all when they talk to us defensively. 
what we what we prefer are very supportive climates. When when we feel supported, we want to continue to communicate, we want to be open, and we want to continue to to foster really positive communication strategies. So with that being said, today we talked about climate and we weren't talking about the temperature. <laughs>